Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, today's a super, super special moment for me because I get to interview Chris Robinson, who I have watched from afar for quite a few years as part of the John Maxwell team. So I want to share with you, uh, first and foremost, Chris is a dad, get this, of 11-year-old triplets, a 7-year-old and 4-year-old twin girls. We're going to have to dive into that, and I want to meet the 7-year-old that's by himself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he'd want to meet you too. He thinks he's the only child. He thinks he's the only child. We can yeah, it's only child. Exactly. He's very, very special, right? So that's <laughs> incredible. I want to know how in the heck you have so many twins and triplets and all of that and how you're even able to cope because I believe leadership starts at home. So obviously you lead well at home and that's why you've become so successful. And, and Chris is the founder of R3 Coaching, which we'll dive into He was recently recognized as one of the top 100 people to help you in business in St. Louis. So I want to hear about that, how uh, you can help businesses, because mainly I coach entrepreneurs. Many of them are salon owners, salon leaders, but we also have entrepreneurs that listen on here as well, Chris. Um, But he also won Small Business of the Year in St. Louis as well, too. He's an international speaker. But the most important thing here is he was just recently appointed, which I wasn't surprised at all, Chris, as the founding partner of the John uh, Maxwell team. You became a newly appointed executive vice president of Maxwell Entrepreneur Solutions. So, (laughs) hello, that's incredible. And leading over 30,000 speakers, coaches, and trainers. And I'm putting it out here now. I think that's going to double over the next couple of years. I really do, Chris, under your leadership because everything does rise and fall on leadership. And I believe it's going to rise under your leadership. And I'm very excited to see what happens. And, and I do want to dive into this as well, Chris. And, and I want to get my listeners excited because your background is you were a sales rep who advanced three positions in five years. I want to know how you did that. And I love the fact that you were a founding partner of John Maxwell. And they brought you on as a leadership role. And you're a product of the product, as they say. And this is exactly how I've been running businesses for years. And I didn't know that it was the right thing to do until I heard about your story because I bring on my graduates in in my company. So I have uh, quite a few schools. I have four schools and I have several salons. And I usually bring on my graduates because they're product of the product. They were brought up in in the school business so they understand the culture which we have a very solid strong culture and so they understand that so that they're kind of a shoe-in into the company so i want to hear about that as well too but first and foremost i want to hear about your kids <laughs> and how do you do it like hello that's a lot of kids <laughs> that is a lot of kids so we have six kids total uh, we have 11 year old triplets the seven year old and then identical twin girls that are four and uh, so it was 
it was interesting because we never anticipated having six kids. We were never the couple that was like, you know what? We really like this large family. You know, in fact, it was quite the opposite of that. I mean, you know, I was thinking maybe one or two because that's what I grew up with, you know, just my sister and I. But for three and a half years, three and a half years, Tina, we tried to conceive and we were actually told that we could not have children. We were told that we could not have children. We ended up going through the uh, fertility treatment and uh, we went through the process three times. On the third time, we had triplets. We had triplets and uh, we were going, oh my goodness, that's crazy. But you know, we're thankful. It was a blur and it was crazy. And again, remember, keep in mind, we were told you can't have children. Well, you know, a couple years later, we have David. We thought, oh, my goodness, they told us we couldn't have kids. You know, we had the triplets. We had one. We thought, okay, that was crazy. No problem. But David was uh, David's what we call our ease baby because that gave us an understanding of what it was like to actually live with one child or to have one child at one time. Like, we'd just pick them up and go like, oh, that was easy. Like, this is what they're complaining about? These people doing one at a time? <laughs> You know, like you just throw him on like a backpack and you just go, right? Oh my gosh. Have you ever lost any of the children? That's what I want to know. Yeah, we had one. We had a state fair. We had a state fair. I'll get to that in a minute. That's so tough. A couple of years later, we had, um, you know, the twin girls. Uh, we were not anticipating another one. But to have two, we're going, oh, my goodness, it's crazy. So they're named A through F. So we have Ada, Brex, Chase, David, Eliana, and Faith. So it's the F, but that's officially for finished. It's over. <laughs> yeah, <that's the> <laughs> so it's over with now. <laughs> oh, my. That is brilliant. Because that way you know if you've lost them, um, that you lost one of your letters. You just call them out. A, B, C, D, E, F. Like, okay, wait. We forgot the C. Which one's that, kid? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Oh, my gosh. One of these days I'll have them on my podcast as soon as they can talk. The 11-year-olds might be able to be on now. They're probably yeah, pretty brilliant. I one of them. I got one of them that could be on that could be interviewed. I don't know about the other two. You know, they're the special <laughs> That is the best. I love it. What do you think caused you to have so many kids? Like, did you scientifically able to prove this? Or do you think it's a God-sized miracle? Like, what are I, the doctors saying? Uh, well, I don't know. I can tell you the reason, Tina. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can see where this coming is going to go. <laughs> it's security. Did you do it? <laughs> oh, that's too much. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, they didn't give us any explanation besides the one explanation. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. That's it, you know, so. Wow. I mean, it was just something that, you know, we had just really, you know, we're people of faith. And so we had just really, you know, we had believed and prayed. And, and uh, again, we were told that you guys will not have children. And, uh, but we just believed otherwise and uh, continued to go through the process. And I think that's where a lot of people give mm -hmm. up on whether that's in business, whether that's on relationships, whether that's on, you know, trying to have children is just taking someone's word, okay? Or letting somebody else's reality become your experience. You know, so oftentimes in business, we'll come in and we'll say, you know, well, I'll, you go to your friends, your family and say, I wanna do this. I wanna open up a salon and they go, open up a salon? You didn't even graduate high school. How you wanna open up a salon? Yeah. <laughs> now, they're projecting 
their thought, their idea on why you can't have, be, or do something in your life. And what we did and what we often do is we just throw out what other people say. Like, that's great. You said that, but somebody on the planet's done it. So, Hey, it can be done, you know? So I, I firmly believe in that. So we didn't just take the word that was given to us, you know, in the natural, we just said, Hey, well, what else can we continue to do? All right. And uh, yes, he was a uh-huh. medical professional, but Hey, look, the pros aren't always right. The pros aren't always right. And so you have to just keep taking the steps that you do know of. Incredible. You're always about the process. And I think that's where we're going to really dive deep into this because I think so many people want to just jump from, you know, A to F without having BC. There we go. We'll use your kids as an analogy. And it's so true. And so believing in that process, where did that come from for you? Like, what's that untold story, Chris, that you were believing in the process? Because I just, I find it so incredibly interesting that you've been so humble enough to become the person that you are and really diving in and becoming, you know, in three, what, five years, you jumped three levels in your company, which is unheard of, I know, and so many constraints. And so talk to those people that just like want to jump from A to F, why they need to believe in that process. Well, I mean, the the process is important. And I think I learned that early on, I was fortunate enough early on to get beyond myself. And so when you're going through the process, you have to be smart enough, but you just have to be just dumb enough to just follow the formula. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I remember in that very first sales role. Okay. So up until that point I had sold, I was think uh, I was 21 years old. And up until that point I had sold everything underneath the sun. I had sold clothes. I had sold futons. I had sold perfume on the street. I had sold stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and then I get to a company and a guy says, hey, you know, I, I want to hire you, you know, you and your, you know, I, my wife was good friends with his wife while they were going through a divorce, but they got back together and this guy says, well, hey, you know, my wife says that you guys have been great to her, I want to hire you, and I said, okay. I said, well, I just, you know, started at this new company selling insurance. I made $1,200 in a day. You know, Tina, I thought I had made it. $1,200 in a day? Oh, my goodness. Well, this guy says, well, Chris, I want to give you a base salary of $3,000. And, you know, if you're good at this, you know, you can make $10,000 your first month. Now, remember, I was 21 years old here, and I'm going, who is he talking to? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) $10,000 in a month uh, up until that point in time at age 21, the most money I had made in a year was $19,000. Okay. So here's a guy saying, you know, you can make $10,000 in a month if you're good at this. So remember up until that point from age 16 until 21, I had sold all types of stuff. So I thought that, Hey, I knew how to sell. Well, when he told me that I said, you know what? I'm going to trust and just do whatever this person tells me to do. And I'm just going to follow their system. And I followed their system, which at that time was just a one page script, (laughs) which it's simple enough to do, but it's simple enough not to do. And that's where people get distracted. It's simple enough to do, but it's simple enough not to do. That's where people get distracted because they go, Oh, that's too easy. Well, what if I add this to it? What if I add that to it? Well, if you're baking a cake and you add and the recipe doesn't call for, you know, a a cup of orange juice and a cup of chocolate milk, 
You don't need to sprinkle that in. And so I read the script. I did what they told me to do in that very first month, Tina, at age 21 years old, I made $10,000 in a month. I said, oh, that was good. I, I just need to be smart enough to be stupid enough to just follow this model. And so I did everything that they would ask me to do. And again, in that organization, I became a product of the product. I followed the system. I taught the system. You know, I would outwork people. You know, they would listen to my calls because I was following the system. I was the model there. And so I found that as the base of doing that. And then as I grew and I began to go off and want to do my own business, what I did was I looked for models, not necessarily a franchise model, uh, because for me, you know, again, it was, uh, I, I need some, I need the framework and then I need instructions and let me go. Okay. I, but I don't need you to tell me, you know, every single thing. I just need the framework. Okay. <laughs> and, and so um, I, I went and I would look at coaching so I can get behind somebody that would teach me how to do it. Give me a system to follow, a formula to follow, and stick with that. It's proven. It's tested. And I don't have to create it from scratch. Now, I can innovate on it once I master the basics, but you must master the basics. You must master the foundation. You cannot innovate until you master the basics. Then you have dexterity to innovate. And I think people try to innovate too early without understanding the basics. But that is so critical uh, to anything that I do. Whoa. Okay. I just extracted some really cool things. Um, I'm going to call this be a follower. And yeah. because the reason why I say that is because I don't believe that I would be the business owner that I am if I wasn't first a great follower mm -hmm. of my bosses, so to speak, throughout the years. And then my partners that I partnered with, I got very blessed to be partnered with the amazing John Paul DeJoria, the owner of Paul Mitchell. Mm -hmm. And so I learned a lot. So yeah. talk about jumping from A to F, you know, <laughs> let's go to A to Z. Follow that model, follow that model. Follow that model. <laughs> yes, follow that model, follow the model. And it's interesting because Chris, that's why in 2013, I became a John Maxwell coach because I didn't understand what he was laying down, so to speak, as a leader. And so I needed to learn that process of what you're talking about, what John Maxwell talks about. And so then I understood, oh, that's how John Paul did it, you know? And yeah. so it's just incredible. So I extracted uh, be a follower uh, because first and foremost, you have to believe in the process. So I put down number one, which I want to dig into, uh, get beyond yourself, <laughs> which I think is so huge, but that's where the humility comes from. And I want to want to really, really dig into that. And then I put number two, uh, trust, don't get distracted, follow the system, read the script, right? Mm -hmm. And then three, become a product of the product, which I think is incredible. I'm thinking of our first business partner, she is 21 years old, Chris. Okay, wow. like you were saying, some people think, oh, you have to be, you know, 50 to open a business. And I want to show you that if you follow the system, that you can be a product of the product. And so she owns her first salon with us. We're hoping to open several more salons with her. She does almost $200,000 behind the chair. She has a goal of 250, like she's breaking that mold, you know, she's 23 now. And, but to watch her, but she became a follower of my daughter, who's my business partner and said, just follow me. Just follow me, do what I do, and I will show you how to grow your business. And so that's what she did. Whereas many of our stylists are doing what you said is they are just innovating too quick. 
they're innovating because we are, you know, we are dealing in the most part, a lot of really creative people that want to innovate and want to create, which is an incredible thing, like you said, but they're not mastering the foundation. And I do want to dig into this. There's so much I want to dig into uh, the foundation because uh, the first, I have a course, a six month course for business owners, for salon owners. And the first month I spend on foundation, but I really could spend a whole year, Chris, because many of them don't even have the business basics down and they're not integral, so to speak, because they weren't educated of how to pay their people. And so a lot of times you'll see them paying out of pocket instead of paying taxes. So they don't have employees, but they're treating them as employees. And so I have to really set them up for success, Chris, to, you know, really follow Department of Labor standards first and foremost. And, you know, you're coaching entrepreneurs. I bet you've run into this roadblock a little bit too, because it's like, no, 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 you've got to separate your business from your personal bank account. You know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about integrity. Why not? Let's throw this one in there because I think that's part of foundation or, or everything will crack. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's, here's the thing. And, and that's the way that, again, one of the ways that I've been able to rise inside of organizations uh, and it keeps you in the clear whenever you do have that integrity. I'll give you a recent example here that I just came out of. Uh, with the John Maxwell team. You know, we've never partnered with a third outside party with the John Maxwell team. And, um, you know, typically what would happen is if we do have some uh, outside party come in or do something with us, then, you know, there could be, there's always a place, you know, for a fee to be paid to the person that's brought in. Mean that, hey, if I bring you to the table, Tina, and I say, hey, I'd love to sell your coaching course to John Maxwell team members, it's kind of, it can be customary or standard that, hey, I'm getting a cut of that, then it goes to the company. Well, there was a software, private label software that I was bringing into the company and um, I was really pushing for it. It was one of the first things I did and we got caught up in legal, got caught up in legal and then, you know, I decided to go ahead and revert back to another form of the contract, which was easier for legal which took some responsibility off of us and, and I ended up pushing it through. Well, we get it through and there was a little bit of, you know, oh my goodness from the CFO, Chris, why did you do that? And I had to explain to him, hey, look, first and foremost, I want you to understand there is nothing in this for me. The sole benefit of what I'm bringing to the table is to the team. So there's no kickback to me. There's no this to me. And what that does is that allows for you to function with the right motives. Okay. Mm -hmm. When that integrity is in place, it allows you to think clear because you don't have to worry about, well, if this goes out, then then I'm attached to it or this goes out. Now, if I was on the up, you know, if I wanted to be in that deal, the appropriate thing would do is say, Hey, I'd like to be cut in on this deal. So that way everything's on the clear. I've never been one to want to go to sleep or have money coming in that others don't know about it and, you know, things of that nature. But I see that all the time where people get caught in the middle of a deal, they get caught in the middle of something and it stresses them out. I don't carry that stress or have that stress because, hey, look, be direct with people, you know, treat adults like adults and people like people, but have that solid communication integrity. It'll take you a very long way, very fast, if you can maintain it. So it's very important, very important. It is. And I love that you said, I love that you keep saying caught up in legal. And the reason why I love that, Chris, is because uh, my husband is a lawyer. 
And so I'm blessed because we were able to bring that into the table when we first started these salons, right? And so he was able to write up the contracts and things like that. But I find it very interesting. A lot of entrepreneurs don't even have like a a lawyer that really specializes in labor law, you know, first and foremost, or other areas. And so they just calling up the family uncle that's a lawyer thinking that they specialize. So even my husband will hire specialist lawyers. He doesn't know everything and he's not going to pretend that he knows everything. Same as that. And then also accountants, you know, I'll talk to people, oh no, my aunt does the accounting. And it's like, are you serious right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and we can laugh at it now. And But I, I was guilty of that very early on as well, too, is just because a lot of people starting now is like, they don't know, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? Well, mm-hmm. this is just enough to pay my bills now. And this is just getting me by. And so I understand that position and placement but if you want to really grow it you got to have those key things in place you've got to have the cpa you got to have a lawyer that you can go to you don't have to have one retainer you don't you don't have to have hire the most expensive lawyer but you want to have someone that is credible in that specific area where you need help and so line up those right people um is is so so important as fast as you can and before you think that you can as fast as you can before you think that you can. Because again, I understand the plight of, man, I'm just starting this. I just gave all my money to this business, A-L-L. And then now you're saying, I I need to hire a a, a CPA. I need to hire a bookkeeper. I need to, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. We got to do it. We got to do it. You have to. And talk to that person who's like, oh my gosh, you know, I already opened my business. I'm years into it. And I'm just, you know, I'm now I'm overwhelmed because I'm thinking that I have to hire all these people. And and I love the quote by John Maxwell, one is too small a number to achieve greatness. And I, and and our field, Chris, especially, and I know there's so many other ones out there. I know photographers and different things like that. Same situation is they'll go into their own, you know, salon suite. And because you think that they can collect 100%, you know, of the money, you know, versus being an employee, but they forgot that they need to hire a lawyer and, you know, a CPA and all of those things, like you said, hire them, you know, early, earlier and before you think that you need them, because in order to grow, that's what you need to do. And so let's talk about this. This is interesting. Um, I love uh, Seth Godin has talked about this when he spoke with us. And, and I thought it was great because a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs think they're business owners, but they really bought themselves a job. That's correct. Right? <laughs> and I know we're kind of dealing with that, of course, with the John Maxwell coaches too, you know, because if only you're doing the work, then you just really bought yourself the job. So let's become a business owner. And so that's why you've got to bring on a team of people, right? And so let's talk about that. What's your uh, knowledge on that? Yeah, well, quite a bit. Let me go back. Let me just backstep just a second, though, uh, because I do want to address those people that were overwhelmed with, you know what, I haven't hired anyone and, um, you know, I'm behind now and I'm overwhelmed. Clean that up as fast as you can because I've been in that boat as well, too. And I can tell you that it's kind of like having additional browsers open in your computer. And when you have all these browsers open your computer, what happens is it slows things down. And so I remember I would literally, there was, there was a two year time period, Tina, where I had delayed my taxes because I was 
$180,000 in debt. I was just starting out. I didn't know what was behind me really. And, and I would literally just every single night, I'd be thinking about, ah, the taxes, the taxes, the taxes, the taxes, the tax. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about out there, the taxes. And you <laughs> think there's this big gigantic monster behind you. And I finally decided to just man up and say, you know what, I'm going to address this. I'm going to get beyond this. And Tina, do you know that for two years, I literally worried about nothing. When I finally faced up to everything, when I hired the CPA, when I hired the bookkeeper, they were able to work things out and it was literally painless. Mm. And for two years, I had lost sleep. I had had stress in my life. I had that browser open because I was unwilling to face it. So if you are behind, if you are overwhelmed, I would encourage you now to just step into it, face it and move beyond it face it and move beyond it. You can't, you can't keep going, try to go forward. And that hole keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Stand up to it now and face that fear and address those situations. Perfectly said. Yeah. So then we'll talk about working on the business versus <laughs> in the business. Yeah. Uh, so you, I, I, so I have two schools of thought on that. And really it's, it's okay if you choose to work in the business and that's what you want. If it's a lifestyle business, meaning that, hey, you know what? I want to cut hair three days a week and I want to do it on my schedule. And then I want to, you know, take the rest of the days off to be with my family. Great. Do that. That's perfectly okay if that's what you want to do. But know that's what you want to do. If you say, hey, I want to build a business where I can build this thing up, I can have people working, and then I can then take off and only work those three days or whatever the case may be, then build it that way. But I think all too often, Tina, one of the things that we, we typically try to do is we want to push people into one direction or the other, which is fine, but let, you, you choose. You choose. Yeah. Do you want to work in the business? It's okay if you just want to be a producer. That's great. You could be the best producer in the world. Maybe that's your lifestyle. Maybe that's your cup of tea. Or if you say, hey, I want to work, I want to have a business. Well, great. Follow that blueprint and build that. Open up multiple salons. Open up, you know, 10, 20. Build as many as you possibly can. But in order to do that, guess what? You got to build one well first. You got to be a good producer first. Then you got to, you know, own one salon first. Then you do a second. Then you do a third. But yes, a lot of people oftentimes, they think that they are building a business when in fact, they're just producing their own job. But it's okay if that's what okay. you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really study, you know, all of this because I think most people don't really understand and then they get into it and then they get stuck and get locked in and they don't know how to get out, you know, from the very beginning. And so I think that's really powerful. You said something else that I think is really part of foundation too, Chris, and I want to talk about this. And it's a great book actually by Patrick Lencioni. It's called The Motive. And so let's talk about people's motive. And I think it goes with getting beyond yourself. I really do. And so your motive and hearing you over and over again is so refreshing and so filled with so much humility, which I love, Chris. Let's talk about that. How are you able to get beyond yourself and have a strong motive in leading people? Yeah, well, twofold is, you know, one, I absolutely genuinely love people. I, I mean, I absolutely genuinely love people. And I know that, you know, I have the ability to add value to people. Now, the second thing is, is that I also understand my purpose and calling. 
okay? My purpose and calling is to encourage people, help people go further than they possibly think that they can. All right. So knowing that I genuinely love, genuinely love people, knowing that my calling and purpose is to help people go further, then I had to decide, okay, what, what do I want to do and how do I move forward in that? How do I keep that motive pure? And so I decided I was going to dedicate my life to helping people through personal growth and development. Now, notice this, dedicate my life, not dedicate the next six months not dedicate the next year, not the next 18 months. No, I've dedicated my life to impact people's lives through coaching, speaking, training. So this was a lifelong commitment. It wasn't just, like I said, this, this isn't just, well, I'll try it for six months. And if I'm not rich by then, it'll, it'll, you know, I'll, I'll try something else. And I think all too often people's motive becomes just money or yeah. just this, and it does not fulfill. And what I found is that money always follows you putting people first. Money always follows you putting people first. And so when I decided to do that, I, I honestly, I don't, <laughs> this is going to sound absolutely crazy. Uh, being a person, a person like, I don't sit there and just say, hey, I've got this financial goal. Like, I literally, I don't. I just, money cometh. <laughs> If money comes to me <laughs> because I'm just putting people first. Like there's, there's not a meal that I'm missing. There's not a thing that I can't go out and do that I don't want to do now, but it's not because my intent was, well, let me see how much money I can make this month or this year. It's because let me see how many people I can impact. Let me see how many people I can help this year. And money follows that particular um, order of when you're really putting people first. Oh my goodness. This is so powerful. My quote has been for years, don't be obsessed with money or success, be obsessed with improvement because people have always asked me, Tina, how have you become successful? Because I'm focused on improvement always, just constantly. How can I improve? And the John Maxwell team has helped me to do that, Chris. And that's why I'll be on this team for life because I get so many incredible things. But I love that you said that you genuinely love people and it's funny because my very first value in our company and our salon companies is love if you don't love people then you don't belong here and we can kind of tell right away if people are there for the money or they're there because they genuinely love people and they want to add value and serve them and i love that you said that and i believe loved people love people and so, you know, again, you know, in my book, Be Amazing, I talk about you have to understand how valuable you are. And when you do, then you'll value people. And so what's that untold story for you, Chris? Like, how, how have you been able to genuinely love people? Yeah, well, I, again, I, I think it goes back to, like you said, love, you know, people that love people are love people. You know, I was fortunate to have both parents in my life. And, um, you know, I have very, very encouraging uh, parents, you know, I mean, I could literally call my mother right now and say, mom, I've decided I'm going to run for president this year. And she would say, well, great. How can I help out? What can Wait, I do? Yes, will you? <laughs> <laughs> that would be wonderful. <laughs> so, Good idea. Well, uh, but you know, it, it's that encouragement and support mm. I've always got from them, uh, you know, that, that has allowed for me to have that space to be able to love people. And then, you know, I see that with my mother, you know, she just flew down here to uh, Florida and we said, mom, how was the trip? She goes, oh, it was fine. She goes, I met 
this person from this place. I met this person from this place. <laughs> and my wife just looks at me and she goes, yep, that's, that's your mom. You know, that's <laughs> if you can put me anywhere and I will meet people, interact with people, just get to know people because that's what we're here for. At the end of the day, when, when I'm gone, when you're gone, buildings will be there. Um, you know, car, everything will be here, but our impact will only be told by other people. Yeah. See, I, I, if I die tomorrow, Tina, you, we get, you get to share this interaction that we had. The car can't share it. A house can't share it. Uh, you know, it, all the stuff can't share it, but you can. And so people is how we, you know, build our legacy. People is how we um, help other people. People is how we, how I've been able to reach the goals and dreams that I've had. It's been from other people. And so I, I can't say enough about it. I mean, this is what we're here for, is one another. <laughs> yeah, amen to that one. I love that. I think once people figure that out, everything's going to shift and change. And this has been, I think, one of those years that's kind of really helped people and, and myself to really reflect and make that complete decision. I'm a new grandma, Chris, so okay. I get to babysit my grandkids yeah. twice a week. I'm so blessed to be able to do that. Oh my goodness, yeah. I'm going to send them your way then. <laughs> <laughs> send your kids, yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you, it is hard having two kids. So I was thinking about you today because I knew I was interviewing you thinking, how did Chris and his wife do this? And yeah. I have to interview your wife next. So let's get her on next. Yeah. I'm sure she's got some amazing stories to be able to tell. And I also love that you said money always follows putting people first because our mission statement in our Paul Mitchell schools is uh, when people come first, successful follow and it's so simple like you were saying earlier and I think everything goes back to that and you know all of our systems and our company it's just putting people first and I, I watch so many times that we don't have this culture of honor many times because people want to like they're not following the rules and it's kind of like what rules are you talking like just let's honor people let's let's talk to them let's listen to them let's understand them and and I don't think they would drop out of school if our team did that right but I don't I believe kind of going back to loved people love people and so I've taken it upon myself and we've started a course in my schools and my salons of leaders made here and so I pour into my people I've become uh, my own business you know life coach so to speak in my companies and that's kind of the route that I've chosen of course I have this side business too to help salon owners but for first and foremost, you know, leadership starts at home and that's in my businesses. And I know I've got to be there for my people, but let's talk about that because, you know, COVID-19, I think really did separate the players from the pretenders. Yeah, and, I'm you. <laughs> yeah we're watching businesses shut down and let's talk about that. Like, what is your, what's your knowledge on this, Chris, like your vision? Why do you think companies are shutting down and what kind of companies do you think are going to make it? Yeah. So it, it's really two extremes that I'm seeing as I'm working with uh, companies and, you know, just even in our industry as well, too. Uh, two things are happening. Either people are having the greatest success that they've ever had or they're going out of business. You know, there really seems to be no in between, you know, yeah. with COVID. It was really the great separator, but also the great equalizer. And, you know, I was speaking with another professional speaker, had been in the business for 20 years, was a road warrior, you know, 
uh, you know, anywhere from fifteen to twenty thousand dollars per keynote. And guess what? He's reduced just like everybody else. We've all got the same platform. We've all got the same. We can't go into a live audience. And it was the great equalizer. So you take like the greats, like John Maxwell. Where has he been speaking? On screen. Where's Tony Robbins been speaking? On screen. This was the great equalizer. So those that didn't make it, I, you know, first and foremost, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. And, and I know that some people have lost their dreams. They have lost everything that they put into it. And I hate to hear that. But here's the thing is that your best days are still ahead of you. What COVID is going to force you to do is to reshape, reposition, maybe come back in in a different format. Maybe it's going back to that producer position and then building your way back up. But it, it shoved some people out. And maybe because they were ill-prepared financially, and maybe no far of their own. That's just, that's where they were at in their businesses. I've seen people that they were literally opening up their doors in March and then they were shut down. That's not their fault. It's not that they were ill-prepared. Like that was out of their control. So I feel, you know, my, my heart just breaks for people that have lost that. But then I've seen the opposite side of the spectrum where they, people are having their absolute best years ever as a result of this because they innovated. Yeah. They stepped aside. They didn't hold on to, well, we're just going to wait till this thing is over and then see how it happens. You know, we did that with John Maxwell team. You know, we host two events per year that for nine years, they have been live. They have been live and in person. And then this, um, you know, past August, two weeks ago, I hosted our first ever virtual event online. We had the most registrations in a single event that we've ever had. We had in that one single event, more registrations than we had in an entire year. There's many, many organizations that are still waiting to come back live in person. And so if you want to make it through this, you know, the world has changed. Will you? The mm -hmm. world has changed. Will you? That's the question that you have to ask yourself, not waiting for things to go back to normal. They're not going back to normal. This is the normal. You've got to shift. Yeah, I love so many of the changes, even in my own company. And I think one of them is how clean we've gotten to Chris, because it's so funny, because I would always think, why can't, you know, people clean, you know, I don't still understand. Well, I tell you what, when the how is big, the why is really easy. It truly is. We've proved it in our salons and our schools, you can eat off the ground now, you know, so I'm like, see, I told you y'all knew how to clean. Right. It's so incredible. And, you know, really has made us pivot as well too, Chris, and, and for the better, like you were saying, and I, I got super excited. And I tell you, part of that came really, I, at first I was super fearful. There was two days of like, my heart was, you know, dropped down to the floor, you know, and, but I made the mistake of watching the news, of course. Yeah. And then I heard, I, then I heard John Maxwell speak and he got on and all of a sudden, you know, I tell you, leaders do lead and watching him lead through that process, you know, with crisis comes opportunity. Ironically, that was my mantra when I first got on the team with crisis, but I didn't realize that was going to prepare me. I did get through a cancer diagnosis a year later, and I knew that God gave me that mantra for that reason. But I also believe it came for this reason. And then hearing 
John Maxwell speak, right? And so talk to uh, business owners right now because obviously you're one of the best coaches for businesses. What do business owners and leaders need to stop doing right now mm -hmm. as you are leading them and taking them through the process so that they can pivot and become stronger than ever? Yeah, well, I, I think if we say, hey, what do we stop doing? You know, John Maxwell teaches in the law of priorities, you know, the three R's, you know, what's required of me, what gives me the greatest reward, what gives me the greatest return. So simply asking yourself, what must I do in a day? Oftentimes we'll have this long to-do list and we have to stop keeping ourselves busy. You know, I had a friend say, called this year, he said, busy is the new stupid, right? <laughs> busy is the new stupid, right? So, you know, you meet That's people. Good. How you doing? Oh, so busy. <laughs> well, how you doing? I'm busy. No, 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 no. All right. Wealth is, as Alan Weiss says, is discretionary time. So being busy is not necessarily the same thing as accomplishing something. So when you're playing out your day and you're saying, what's required of me? Stop asking yourself, what am I doing? But start asking yourself, what am I accomplishing? What am I accomplishing by doing this on the to-do list? And so what you'll find out, you'll find out that maybe there's only four, five things, maybe three things that actually require you each and every single day. And then there's things that you do just simply because you don't trust another person to do it. It also says in law of priorities that, you know, if someone can do what you can do 80% as well as you can do it, you should delegate it. But all too often what we do is we wait and we're waiting for this 100% person that can do it as well as us to come take this rollover that you know that you need to let go of. Well, look, the 100% person's not coming. You didn't start at 100%. 100% not coming to you. If they can do it 80% as well as you do it, let go of it so that you can go on and do something else. So ask yourself what's required and then stop saying, you know, what am I doing? But asking yourself, what am I accomplishing? What gives you the greatest reward is what we need to start doing as well too. What gives you some sense of fulfillment or relaxation every single day? I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made, and I see it often, was that for years I bought into the philosophy of grind, grind, grind every single moment. There shouldn't be a moment of waste in the day. You don't deserve fun because you're not here at this level. And that was one of the big mistakes that I made. I don't call it a mistake and I wouldn't take it back, but having that reward inside the day, every single day, what are you doing for fun? At one of the IMC events. You know, if you had asked me during the first seven years of my experience at JMT, what you, what Chris, what do you do for fun? I say, I do four things. I speak, I coach, I train, I read. Like that's how intently serious I was. And that's all I did. If you took too long at the drive-through at, at McDonald's, I had read a page or two of a book. Like I literally did not put a book down for seven years, no TV in the house, nothing. But here, but here's the thing. I did not allow for myself to play golf. I did not allow for myself just to have a pure relaxation or fun. And so you have to ask yourself, what gives you a great reward out of the day? What's rewarding to you in the job that you do? And then how can you reward yourself daily? So now every single day, I play pickleball. I'll tell you more about pickleball. <laughs> play the sport in America. <laughs> you know, I play pickleball. You know, I'm going out boating. Or, you know, I'm doing something that I enjoy every single day. So not only getting that reward of doing something I love that day, but then also reward and not in the business. And then what gives you the greatest return? 
What are the income producing activities inside of your business? What are the income producing activities? I see this too often with coaches. They're busy. They say, Chris, I've studied, I've studied, I've studied all week long. I've listened to all the videos. I've listened to this. I listened to that. Did you call anybody and ask them for business? No. Mm. Well, that's the problem. Did you meet a person this week? No. That's why it's not working. You're not doing income producing activities. You're doing activities that keep you busy. So what gives you the greatest reward? What gives you the greatest return? And then what's required of you? That's what we need to do as, as leaders. Oh my gosh. I love the quote, busy is the new stupid. If I hear one more time, people say there's not enough time in the day and I'm just going to use the three R's. I, I can't believe you brought that up. You just schooled me for a second there and I'm going to use that. <laughs> it's like, wait a second, three R's. Don't say that ever to me again. Right. right? Those are awful words. Um, yeah, I, I love that. And I love the fact that you were able to get through that. So let's talk a little bit more about being a follower as we end this podcast. And I love the fact that we talked about the John Maxwell team and I have referred a lot of people and I'm hoping I can get more people on the team between now and the end of September, Chris, which I'm excited yeah. about that because I know it's going to shift and change people's lives because it has all the people that I've, you know, put on the team. In fact, a couple of them are actually, we coach together. We coach entrepreneurs, salon entrepreneurs together, which I think is really amazing. Let's talk about what else is, is it going to re be required to be a follower, to follow the process, to get, you know, from A to F, right? Finished, <laughs> to be finished, right? So what do we need to do to be a great follower? What did we miss? Yeah. So when it's talking about being a great follower, again, I think it goes back to your motives uh, as well too. Yeah. You know, is your motive to, you just want to be the person, you know, I can tell you that, you know, my motive when I came into the John Maxwell team was I wanted to be one of the successful coaches. Okay. I wanted to be a faculty member that teaches for the team. Then once I got into that role, I didn't want to be number one in the company. I actually wanted to be number two. And I remember when I was promoted to uh, president of the faculty, I began to talk with Paul Martinelli about, hey, I would love, you know, to, you know, come beside you and run, you know, the company with you someday down the road. Little did I know that I would be taking on his role, you know, and, and being the number one guy there. But it was, it was being okay with being number two. I think all too often people want to immediately go to, well, I want to be number one, you know, I want to be number one, you know, uh, and Paul, great mentor, my great mentor of yours, you know, one of the most profound things that he said to me is that Chris, he says, you want to always be a king maker. You want to always be a king maker. He mm -hmm. says, what happens is you attract people to you because you have the ability to make people successful. He's like, you can do very well being a number two. You don't have to be a number one. And so I, I took that on. And again, that means being a good follower, but having the dexterity to, to lead. Now, the other thing that helped get me there was when we're talking about being a follower of people, it's not just the context of, well, I'm going to just do what you say. You know, in a leadership capacity, it's speaking up. It's being honest. It's being integrous. It's being a product of the product. You know, there's, there's situations like with the uh, president of the John Maxwell Enterprise, Mark Cole. Uh, there's been several conversations that have brought us closer where I have been the only one with a certain opinion, but I've been willing to share that opinion. Now, 
on the flip side of this, there's two places to say the opinion. It's before a decision is made in their space for you to talk about, go back and forth about ideas. And then after the decision's made, well, then that's when you have to be a follower, not going into dissent or not being in disbelief or against the leader after this decision's been made in this front space. And so oftentimes I'll speak up during this front space, but if they decide to go one way or the other, hey, that's the direction I'm going, I'm following that space. But having the ability to speak up will help you also be a, fo a better follower as well too. I can speak in depth about this one because I just believe it. I believe it and being a good follower has allowed for me to be a great leader. Chris, I love that you're talking about this because we follow the ideal team player model in our companies where we hire Humble, Hungry, Smart by Patrick Lanchoni. We yeah. learned that. And one of the things that I'm really training my team on right now is if you're not speaking up, most likely you could be a skillful politician because yeah. you're probably speaking to other people on the team. And yeah. that's called gossip, and that's not part of our culture. And so we need to talk about that because we want to make it safe as leaders for you to be able to speak up. And so we, we want you to speak up. And so we create that culture. But it doesn't always happen in my companies, Chris. So talk to my leaders right now. How can they create a culture to allow their leaders and all of their team members to speak up to them, to hold them accountable yeah. to the systems as yeah. well? Well, it's really about collaborative leadership at this point and a lot more leaders, especially, you know, and Tina as a leader is because a lot of people don't want to share the idea because they don't want to be seen as a stupid idea or bad idea or they don't want you to be, you know, conceived in a certain way. But I am the exact same way with leading the John Maxwell team is I every single meeting I ask three questions. We have a meeting with the sole purpose to ask three questions. What was, you know, what was the highlight of your week last week? What was the best idea that you heard this week? And what should we rinse and repeat this week? Only three questions. That's what I asked my leadership team. And what I'm doing is I'm creating space for them to share thoughts and ideas and know that it's okay to share thoughts and ideas. Now, you know, <laughs> I, there's nothing more that I value than someone speaking up. I was at a, a meeting at an undisclosed group of people with some very high level leaders and we were in the room for two days i had a person to my left i had a person to my right and there was 17 people in the room there was five contributors there was a person to my left a person to my right that did not give one contribution to the room if you're invited to the room speak up in the room Otherwise, they were just the chairs that they were sitting in were just as valuable as they were to the conversation. Yeah. So who's more valuable? You or the chair? Okay. If you're in the chair, speak up, <laughs> add value. You've been invited to the table. But nothing made me more irate than looking to my left and looking to my right, going, "We've been here for two days. Wow. You guys haven't had one single thought. I won't be inviting you two to any meeting moving forward." There's no reason. So speak up. It'll take you a long way. <laughs> oh my gosh. I hope all my uh, leaders are listening to this because that's so huge. And I've always thought about that too, thinking, how can I build that culture? And right there, you can have this conversation with them. Hey, 
you know, this is part of our culture, you will speak up. And so I love that you said that, Chris. Chris, I can't thank you enough for being on today. Um, any last pieces of advice? And what's the best way to get a hold of you to hire you uh, for a business to hire you to coach? Uh, everything, johnmaxwellteam.com. Uh, you can reach out to me there. And um, we'd love to connect with you, but don't worry about that. Get connected with Tina. That's who you need to connect with. That's who you need to connect with. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.